Brilliant Misfits, Episode 70, with guest Ange Duemier. How to start writing your book? That it's a process that can be easy. It's a process that can flow if you allow yourself to relax enough into it and trust. It's the trust that's important. Hello and welcome to Brilliant Misfits, talks with women who are the renegades, the creatives, the entrepreneurs, the artists who didn't fit in and how they've turned it around by courageously following the beat of their own heart. We'll be discussing all things creative, mindful and artful to inspire you to do it your way and be brilliant with your host, Aisha Kennedy. Welcome everyone to Brilliant Misfits. Thank you. Welcome back. And if you're new, welcome. And I'm really happy that you're here. I really love sharing with you these inspiring stories with these misfit women who are all brilliant doing their own thing. And I'm really going to focus a little bit in 2018 on the creative process and how we work with that. And today I'm so excited because I have Ange de Lemire, who has been on a year ago and talked about some other things, but I'm really excited today because we're going to get into one of the big, big, big stumbling blocks for your creativity, your creating process, and that is getting started. So many of us struggle with just getting started. Now, Ange Delamere, she is an author and she's a book alchemist, and I'll let her explain to you what a book alchemist is. So welcome to the show, Ange. I'm delighted to have you back. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Aisha. Um, I'm delighted to talk to you again. These conversations are so delicious. Um, book alchemist um, is... Um, I suppose it's it's just um, an added dimension to a book coach uh, because even though this is um, what I mostly do, help people write books and complete them and launch them into the world, although I'm not a marketer, so that's, that's you know, at one point there's another person that can come in to help. Um, but I have a lot of um, magic wands maybe, that's <laughs> for, for lack of a better word, um, to come and help through the process uh, because I'm a clinical hypnotherapist, I'm a psychic, uh, I'm a healer. Um, so all this blends to um, help through the process. And it's interesting we're talking about how to get started because very often what stops us from getting started is our fears. And fears to a clinical hypnotherapist are like our bread and butter. <laughs> it's like what we do every day. <laughs> it's, um Yeah. So it's, um, it's um, I'm, I'm really, really happy to have had all these experiences that can now feed into my work um, in a really focused way mm. so I can help the, the clients that come to me. And I specialize in, um, in inspirational books, particularly uh, nonfiction and memoir. And uh, there's more fears that can come into this kind of book because usually the author puts a lot of themselves in it, much more than in novels. So um, when you put a lot of yourself in a book, there's more fears that come up as well, more blocks. Mm, do you think that's because we're, we're sharing ourselves, like our story and not a made-up story, even though a made-up story can have elements of ourselves, but there's something that feels very, very revealing when we are sharing our own personal story. 
Yes, there's there's that. There's um, the uh, the fear of vulnerability, the fear of being uh, criticized, uh, the fear of not being heard, uh, the fear of nobody being interested in what you have to say, um, the fear that you're you can't write, that you can't put it across, that it's not going to be well received, um, the fear of criticism. Everything, uh, but it's only um, the interesting thing is it can stop us from getting started, but it also will come up after we finally make that step. Yeah, absolutely, um, I agree. It's something that because is a continuous process. But, yeah, but so today, it's very important. Yeah, sorry. Oh Go no, ahead. I was just going to say, but today I'd really, really want to explore this thing about not getting started because I think this inertia is. Um, you know, prevents a lot of fantastic stories that could help people from getting out there. I agree. And also I find that um, the the act of writing your own story, even if you didn't decide to publish it or share it with anyone, um, I consider it as an act of self-love. Mm, because by beautiful. doing that, yeah, by doing that, you honor your own story. And I was just reflecting on that when you accepted to have me on this show, that most of the people who listen to you and who consider themselves misfits have not had their story heard. Or it's been really difficult for them to have their story heard. And so that process could be incredibly healing for them because it, it's a way of saying, I, my story matters. What I have to say is of value, even though I've never fit into society or into mainstream, whatever, um, my story has a value because I can bring this and it's a different point of view and, um, and come and listen to me. Mm. Now, but it takes an incredible act of courage to do that when you've been, um, probably have scars from the past from having been rejected again and again uh, or even ridiculed. Yes, yes, that's right. And I'm wondering, like, you know, Maybe people that do have this desire to write, and but they, they just don't even, I don't know, maybe one of the fears of like people won't be interested or they don't know how to write or they feel like, oh, well, I can't write. How can they, mm. how could they get started? Like what would help them to get started in that case where, you know, maybe you're suffering under the belief that you, you actually can't write well, I, I would say um, probably every writer on this planet had the same feeling before they started their career, every author. Um, and I, I want to debunk the myth that you're born a writer or born or not born a writer. You are a writer the moment you decide to commit to your writing, just like you are an artist the day you commit to your artistic practice. So it's just the, the, um, the first step of saying, I am going to do this. No matter what it takes, it has to happen. So it's this commitment, I think. That's all that it's necessary. Because after that, once you take that, you make that decision, and that's the decision is usually made at soul level, and then the ego steps in because the ego wants to keep you safe. And um, being an artist, and I consider uh, writers artists as well, I don't make the distinction between musician, writers, um, uh, visual artists. For me, they're all artists. They're all creatives. And um, c creatives, um, 
it's the call of the soul. The soul wants to be creative. The ego wants to keep you safe. So it's this battle. And I, um, I like to call the ego the inner dragon and to say you just need to and know how to ride your inner dragon, how to train it instead of battling it constantly and having these crippling, uh, crippling doubts. And I'm, I'm the first one to suffer from this. I have so many doubts. Uh, they come up all the time. But I know what they like. I know what who's speaking. I know it's that little scared girl inside of me that will, is afraid that someone's going to laugh at her again because she's been laughed at so many times. And then the mother in me can come in and say, it's all right. You're not a little girl anymore. You are powerful. Just go ahead and have fun. Mm, like, <laughs> yeah, that's so important, isn't it? So it's basically really recognizing those inner dragons and um, when they come up to be able to recognize them and then have another part of yourself be able to say, hey, it's okay. And in a way, it's not like you're trying to get rid of it. it you're just kind of acknowledging that that's there and you carry on. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you, you can't get rid of it. As, as, as long as you're uh, alive, you will have an ego. People who say they don't have egos scare me. <laughs> because it's not true. So they're in complete denial. So what you want is really to know what the ego is here for. It has a function, and the function is to keep you safe. It's to keep you away from um, from the, the big bear or <laughs> the tiger. And so it says, don't get out. There might be a danger. You might you know, This that might happen, and that might happen. But um, as, as you so well know, um, most interesting things happen out of our comfort zones. Mm, that's when we start to feel alive. That's when we start to explore. And the other thing that really stops people is perfectionism. Uh, I can tell you it's the hardest thing for someone who's a perfectionist to write a book or do art or anything because they, they want everything to be perfect. But art is about being messy. So I would say to get started, you have to give yourself permission to write rubbish. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's inevitable. You will. The first draft is always rubbish. It always needs a lot of work. It's like a clump of clay. You can't get the shape right away. You have to shape it first, a, a very, very rough shape. And then uh, the more drafts you do, the more you refine it. Until you, you can't want to have a perfect um, sculpture, whatever it is, in one go. This is not possible. So it's more like it's an unrealistic expectation. Mm. And then... And then it stops you because you want it to be perfect and it's not going to be perfect. I'm working at the moment on the fourth draft of a novel and I still find things that I'm like, oh my goodness, did I write this? <laughs> but it's okay because I know the story is good. It's just that I'm, um, I'm going through layers. So the first, the first draft is always about like letting it all out in one go, in one big flow. No critical mind um, can be... Um, and you say is allowed to come in in the creative room it's just play letting it out um, and then once you're done you need to get away from it and then you come back with your critical mind which is another part of your brain it's another way of thinking so you can't have both and the critical mind analytical mind is more uh, fearful the creative mind um, is is more relaxed so you can't actually access the creative mind when you're stressed out or worried or when you have doubt so all you need to do is to learn to 
step out. It's, it's called the reptile brain. I'm sure you know about this. But you need to be able to pull yourself out of your reptile brain, which is trying to keep you very, very small. And this is done through relaxation, through uh, meditation, breathing work, anything. Do. So I always recommend um, my clients to meditate before they write so that they're in that zone. You want to get in the zone, really. And actually doing some art, some doodling or some, or playing with colors or, or crayons or something will get you into that state of relaxation where you, um, you lose yourself in the activity. Does that make sense? Total sense. And I want to go back to something that really is important when he said art is about being messy and it totally is and if you look at children who haven't you know had that um haven't gotten to that place where they're very critical yet and they're just going for it they just make a mess they don't care and um and the other thing that you brought up that I've been really exploring a little bit it really I'm so curious about it is that we you know this thing about the expectation you know, we whatever it is that you're creating, whether you're writing a book, doing a painting, um, doing a garden, I don't know, this thing of perfectionism, and it's the expectation, like we, there's this unconscious or maybe conscious thing where we just expect genius the first time, the first go. Mm. And I think that is a really important thing to acknowledge that if you hold that, if you do have that, I know I had that. And it absolutely stuffed me having this expectation mm. that every time I went to paint after long breaks, that it should be genius. And, mm. you know, it is like you say, you just got to let it flow. You come back, you work on it. It's more about showing up and being consistent. Absolutely. And that's another thing I, I really um, <laughs> I get on my soapbox about because you cannot wait for the muse. It's it's ridiculous. If you do, it's actually your ego trying to stop you from doing the work. Yeah. Can you so, go into that uh, a little bit? I love how, what you're saying about that, waiting for the muse, mm, because I think a lot of people have the expectation or they say, well, I'm just not inspired, you know, and yeah. so they don't do anything waiting, 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 waiting for the inspiration. Yeah. That's, that's just the ego playing tricks. The ego is very clever, very, very clever. It's probably more clever than you are. So you need to be aware that it's going to just throw up all sorts of things that are very convincing. They're very convincing. That's the problem is that you can be convinced so easily by the um, whatever you th your ego throws at you. So my I used to think that as well. I would wait for the muse. And then, you, you know, it would take you five years to write a book. It's ridiculous. So actually writers or oh, I'm, I'm not going to talk about artists because I'm, I'm an author. So I, well, I'm also an artist. <laughs> but um, if, if you want to become serious about your writing, you have to, to write every day. It doesn't matter if it's 10 minutes or 20 minutes. It doesn't have to be hours, but you've got to do it every day. And the reason is um, that once you establish a routine, um, your ego can't stop you from creating as easily because you can just tell it, hang on a minute, right now is my, my writing time. I don't care what you say. I don't care if the muse is not here. I'm going to start writing. So there's this dialogue that needs to go on between you and your ego um, to uh, make it understand that you're committed. Um, and also, once you establish a routine, um, it's a lot easier just to do the work. Whereas if you wait for the muse, you're like, oh, I'm not really sure. 
um, and and all this doubt can creep in, and doubt is also um, also comes from ego. So by establishing a routine, you kind of get the hard work out of it because it's a lot harder to write once a week randomly when you get the inspiration than to sit at your desk every day. It might be difficult to create the habit, but once it's there, then it's gold because you it's almost like you're on a track and you just keep doing it. And, and writing can be very exciting when you get started, once you go past your fears, obviously. But once you get to chapter four, five, six, it can become a bit tedious. You can kind of lose the mojo a bit. So if you have a routine and a practice and you're committed, it just keeps you going a little bit. Mm. It helps, you know, the choo-choo, <laughs> like choo-choo. Because I, I, I like to compare uh, writing a book to running a marath- marathon. Uh, you know, the first half hour of a marathon might be fun, but after that, you know, you have to have endurance, you have to have training. And this is what I um, I um, teach in my um, my five-day experience that's going to come up actually on the 5th of February, is that um, there's all sorts of things that you need to put in place before you even start writing to make sure that you will finish your journey. And they're very important steps. I love what you're saying about establish a routine. Um, and I do think that's so important. It just like when I'm listening to you, it makes so much sense that it's much easier to keep going than to do a stop and, and then have a long break and then start again. So much harder to start again. But I did want to, I have a question about that, yeah. about the writing time. Um, because I do write in like a sort of journal writing. So I'm not actually writing anything except just blah blah in my journal in the mornings and do you when you're writing a book do you still include or can you still include that journal time where you just you know or do you concentrate it on just writing in your book I would say um, I would do the journaling when a block comes up so I would probably focus on writing the book. And, and when something, uh, a fear comes up, um, I would get my journal out and start exploring that fear until I get to the other side. Wonderful. That's a great tip. Thank you. Yeah, that's really yeah. important. And you need to go really, really deep into the fear. Like, um, you know, and so what if it, this happened? And what if this happened? And what if it, this was true? Until you get to the point where you think, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Why am I having this fear? But it's a process that you really have to have the courage to go all the way, not just to write a, a little sentence and say, okay, that's it, I've identified the fear. Because um, fear is an energy. This is where the Reiki master in me comes in, <laughs> the intuitive. And if it stays inside, it will block you. That's, that's um, it will... Uh, it will fill up your space. So what I see is that by writing in a journal in a certain way, it's almost like you're emptying the fear through your arm, down your hand, into the pen, into the book. And for that reason, I call them release diaries. And I encourage people never to read them again, to have something really dedicated to uh, emptying all the rubbish we have in our head into this piece of paper and then just throwing it away. I do that. I think a lot of people um, who have done the artist's way have done the the morning pages, which is a very similar thing. It's a very it's very much like a release, and you don't read it again, and you do toss it away 
um, okay. after some time, which is, and it's very powerful, isn't it, Ange? It is. I would say actually not to wait too long to throw it away because the energy is so strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that would be point. my, yeah, because uh, we don't realize um, how, how powerful energies can be. Yeah. I wanted to ask you another question that's come up as I'm listening to this wonderful, um, you know, wisdom that you're having around getting started in writing your book. Now, when you write a book, do you have like um, a question at the core of your work, like a question that you're that you ask yourself, not necessarily for the audience, although they might come into that? Is like, I don't know why I'm asking that, but anyway, is there a question? No, it's actually a very, very important. You, the first question you should ask yourself is your why. Mm. Why are you writing this book? Why do you want to write this book? And I have to say the answer must not be to help someone else because it cannot be something for someone else. There has to be a why for you. There has to be something at your core that compels you to write it because it's such a commitment. If you don't have a strong why, when you hit chapter 10 and you think you've written just a pile of rubbish, you will give up. But if you have a strong why, some burning desire, something that, you know, maybe um, it's because you think the message is really, really important for you to start with. And actually writing a book is an incredible um, um, opportunity for growth for you. It's an act of self-love, as we already mentioned, but it's also a way to explore things, to go deeper into your own wisdom, to recognize everything that you know, to recognize maybe sometimes even the beauty of your life, the pattern, everything, that everything's perfect, even even the things that you consider mistakes, even the things that you might be ashamed of. All of it is actually like a bit, uh, an, um, an amazing tapestry. And if you write a memoir, that's a way to acknowledge the beauty of life, the beauty of your life. Mm, you said that so beautifully. And I wanted to ask, if I may, can you yeah. give us an example? Like as you've written a few books yourself, can you give us an example of one of your whys and what that book was? Just briefly so it sort of gives us an idea of what you're talking about. Um, okay, so the first book I wrote, uh, which was called The Journey of the Slim Soul, um, was, actually, was actually channeled uh, from angels. And um, it's about slimming without dieting, but it's mostly about self-love. So when I, um, when I wrote the book, I knew that it was something that I did to heal myself because I had been struggling with body image issues all my life, and I had to get to the bottom of it. It's not finished, actually. I have a second <laughs> book following on that, but it's not for now. But what was really interesting is my why was to help women free themselves from the hamster wheel of dieting and self-hate. But of course, it was for me to start with. So it was a gift to myself to help uh, free myself from this, this prison I put myself in where I would always say when I'm thin this, when I'm thin that, and I, I was putting my, my life on hold. <clears throat> yeah, that's really that's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that because I think when we're honest and we really look at those sorts of things like what you're saying and to see like it's funny cuz sometimes we do think we're doing it for other people cuz we always want to help a lot of people just have this desire to help others. 
But at the core, you know, we're trying to help ourselves. And sometimes we don't even recognize that until we're into that process. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that because maybe ultimately we'll help others. Mm. But first, we have to do the work. Um, and it can be fun. I'm not saying that it would be painful always or difficult. It can be a lot of fun because uh, writing um, takes our reflection to another level. We can't skip, you know, um, we can't skip the surface when we write. We we go deep. And when we go deep, we have um, some beautiful awakenings that um, wait for us in the process um so yeah writing has that magic but there's one aspect i haven't talked about at all uh, is that a book is an energy and for me the very 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 first step to write a book is to connect to the energy of your book yeah, and that's would you um, do that um i usually um do that through meditation where i guide people to literally go go on a date with their book as if it was a physical entity and have a conversation with that book so and ask every question they have so what what are you about uh, do you want to when do you want to be written now am i the right person uh, how do you want to be written because uh, a story can be written as a memoir a non-fiction um, a fiction and all these questions can be asked from your book because um, i believe and it's it's um I was really happy when I read Elizabeth Gilbert's book, uh, Big Magic, because she confirmed what I felt as an intuitive and a psychic, is that a book exists um, in a, as a separate entity from you. Mm-hmm. And you might have had a contract before you were born. I'm sorry for those listeners who don't believe in past lives or, or in esoteric things, but it, there is something that exists before you're born and you have this contract to write this book. So at one point in your life, you might even have a whole life plan that prepares you to have the wisdom to write this book that wants to be born in the world. So it's like an agreement between you and that book. Now, whether you're going to hear the call of this book or not, is, or if you're going to, some people might never answer the call. And in that case, that's what Elizabeth Gilbert talks about. And I, I really believe in this. The book can just go to someone else after a certain point if you don't fulfill your, your destiny so to speak. Mm. Yes, I loved that part of the book as well. And um, it's like you say, it's sort of like we all have this knowing, but she put it into words. And then it was like, yes, we know, we actually have probably experienced this in our lives where, you know, maybe for whatever reason, we refuse the sort of, quote, unquote, download that's coming through. And we don't do anything with it. And then, all of a sudden we see somebody else is doing that exact thing and we go, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and what I love that she does, she's not bitter about it. She no. said, you know, I, I didn't do my job. I didn't answer the call of the muse, if you want to call it that way. And so the book had to be born. So he, the book found someone else and it is possible even with memoirs. That's what people don't understand. They say, but it's my life. I say, yeah, but there's some, if the book is, a, we go back to your question. If the book is about a theme, And with memoirs, that's what I love about memoirs. There's always a theme. At the moment, I'm writing a memoir about motherhood. And the theme, the underlying um, theme, is that um, motherhood um, turned me into a spiritual master. My kids taught me everything (laughs) I needed to know. And so, (laughs) so, but some, yeah, it's my life, but someone else could write the same thing. 
because there's a theme. There's always a theme, and and I'm of course I'm not the only one who's um who who's been turned into a spiritual master through through motherhood. <laughs> yeah. So what I hear you saying is that the, there's these themes are like seeds. They're universal. And yes. they become personal as we accept the mission, so to speak. Yeah. Mm, and it could beautiful. be that there's more than two people who have to write the book in different flavors so they can speak to different people. Because it's a little bit like religions. Everybody has their own cultural background, the way they like to hear things, the, the way they perceive the world. So there could be uh, 30, 50, 60 different people that have to write a book about the same topic but with a slightly different slant. And you find this, I mean, not that I want to promote slimming books, but there's almost one that comes out every week. Now, this is a different, it's not really a good example because they've done more because people want to kind of, you know, churn them and it's, a, it's something that sells. But suppose there was a book, yeah, even about motherhood, there's different ways to mother and, and we know there's lots and lots of books which should help people who say, oh, it's already been written to think, no, no, you have a unique voice. So even if something's been written about a subject, you have something to say about it that has not been said before in your own way, with your own words, because the way you look at the world, your experiences, everything that's informed who you are uh, has brought, um, brought up some magic that is only yours. Nobody else can write that book the way you will. That's such an important message. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think what you've done just in this last few moments of explaining the theme that comes through and then it becomes personalized when we take it on, it becomes our story and that it doesn't matter how many themes are the same, that each individual is going to bring their own unique voice and, and life experience to it. That is so beautiful. Thank you, Ange. You're welcome. It's like if you said, I can't paint an apple because someone else has painted an apple before me. Yeah. Now, when you say it like that, you immediately realize <laughs> that is very silly. <laughs> oh, it's so it, true. It's just, yeah, and that's your ego trying to keep you small again. It's mm. like, no, I can't paint an apple or I can't paint. But everybody can paint. I'm sorry. Um, you know, everybody can hold a brush. Everybody can dip it in the paint. Everybody, uh, you know, it's just, it's just a fallacy. It's a fallacy because I think the problem I see is that we've been put so much pressure in school mm. to perform, to conform, to... Um, to fulfill expectations that we're scared we're full of these um, conditioning that stop us from being truly creative and we need to free ourselves from that give ourselves permission to do whatever we want even if someone told I mean I'm the most accidental writer you could think of um, I was absolutely rubbish at literature when I was in school I nearly failed my baccalaureate because I had my, my grade was six out of 20. Can you imagine six out of 20? I don't know how that would translate into, but it's a fail. It's a definite fail. It's like a massive fail. My, my strength was in science and uh, maths. Uh, it wasn't in writing at all. It wasn't in literature. But at one point in my life, I knew I had a story to tell. And somehow, I don't know why, I just went past that label that was put on me, just like I was, I was um, the same with art. I, I decided not to do art studies, um, 
and I give myself permission to be an artist without having proper training. You don't need an, um, a master in, in uh, fine arts to be a writer. You just need to have something interesting to say. Mm. Yeah. And this is where we go back to the thing, but I have nothing interesting to say. How dare you say this, I would say to the person. You don't know. Maybe one person out there absolutely needs to hear your message, and you're depriving that person of this because of your own um, doubts and false beliefs. So we need to just realize that we are full of false beliefs. And it's okay. We've just learned them from other people. And But what's important is to recognize them for what they are when they come up. And um, start unlearning. The unlearning process is is very important. So unlearn the fact that you think that you're not an author. Unlearn the fact that only people who are talented in writing in school um, are born authors. They might have nothing of, of value to say, and you do. Mm. Such good advice, such good suggestions. <laughs> yes, I'm loving this. Now, I wanted to, um, we're almost coming to the end of the show because it's quite short, isn't it? It just seems like it flies by. But I do want, um, if you have anything else that you want to share, and I especially would love if you would give a few like tips or baby steps, like little baby steps for people to who have this desire to write but they have all of those dragons like what little baby steps could they do to get started on yeah well that's i i have a, a seven step um process um that i um i have a free ebook actually about these seven steps and um um, you can boil it down to the five five critical ones and the first one is to connect to the energy of your book the second one is to create a space for writing where you will write always in the same space and then um, identify a time a day where you're going to write every day. Then you need to identify your fears. It's probably come, the, the fears should come almost like right after you connect to the energy of your book. Have tools to deal with these fears, understand what, how you, you can deal with them. Um, and then one, one thing that I think is really important, I probably missed a couple of steps, but I, I don't do them like by rote, <laughs> so they come as they come, is to um, just declare that you are an author, that this is, make your commitment and say this is it, and start talking to people about your book, even if you haven't started. Because by talking to other people, uh, there might be, uh, of course, choose your audience carefully and talk to people who are supportive and who will, um, you know, encourage you. Um, don't talk to critical people who will try to kill your idea in like five seconds. And this is actually bringing me to a concept that I've learned about, which is which I absolutely love. It's the five-second rule. I don't know if you've heard about it. Yes, would you share that? Um, yes, it's Mel, um, Mel Robbins wrote a book about it, and she says our biggest inspiration will be killed by our critical mind in five seconds. So if you have an idea, act on it immediately before five seconds go by because after five seconds your mind will come up with all sorts of excuses why you shouldn't be doing it why it's a rubbish idea da -di -da -di -da. so if you have an inspiration to write a book act on it within five seconds that would be my nugget of advice <laughs> <laughs> five seconds so what would you do like you know 
Would that mean um, like writing down your idea? And Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Go and buy a notebook, write your idea, and then collect everything you can um, because the, the, you will have inspiration. If the book's been nudging you um, and tapping on your shoulder, it will uh, send you some information. You will have little snippets. When you're most relaxed, it could be in the shower, when you're driving. So you want to have that little notebook that you carry everywhere that has the title of your book. And don't be stopped if you don't have a title. You can just write my book because that's another thing that blocks people. Mm. And just start jotting down. You, you might have quotes that come up um, that you say, oh, that would be really good for my book. Let's write this quote in my little notebook and all sorts of things. You, you're starting, it's like a gathering. You're, you're, um, you're a gatherer hunter <laughs> for uh, little snippets for your book. And then probably I would just see if I can get any help um, to write my book, if there's a community. Um, I'm a little bit careful about writer's circles. I would say uh, make sure you pick one that is supportive and that is um, that can help you grow, and that's encouraging and everything. Because um, I think there can be some competitive writers, <laughs> just like there's some be. I and uh, you want because it's your little seed, and it's so precious, and it's quite fragile. You want to make sure you're in a really nurturing environment. Mm, yeah, very important and wise advice. Definitely, I love yeah. the hunter gatherer image of just gathering yeah. different things and putting them down in notebooks and quotes and all of that. That's very exciting. And also and you, because you have this little book, your book already exists. It's your notebook to start with. Yeah. And then just think of it as one step at a time, not as this big um, elephant that you have to eat. Sorry, I'm vegetarian, so I wouldn't eat an elephant anyway, but <laughs> it's uh, such a huge process. You just have to take it one step at a time. And then once you have done all that gathering, gathering hunting and everything, you start to begin to find a shape for your book. So you want to map it out. You want to do like maybe um, one of those um, uh, diagrams, what's it called, um, mind maps or something like that and mm. um, so that you have an idea what it's about. And as you write all the ideas almost like it's uh, dumping them into your book, then you'll be able to organize them a little bit and you can start shaping. It's, it's just like the process of that clay that you start to shape and everything. Except I suppose with the book, it's more like gathering little bits that you start to um, organize. Yeah. Mm. And I imagine that as you start this process of hunting and gathering, I love that, um, that something would happen, a, ch a change in your energy where things are start, will start to come to you or you start to notice things more. Absolutely. The synchronicity, because you're answering the call of your book. Uh, your book will uh, encourage you, but you need to take action first. You can't say, oh, I'm, I want to know everything. I want to be sure it's going to work out before I even do anything. You have to take um, inspired action. And once you start to act, then the universe almost responds to you saying, oh, she's serious about it. She started, okay, let's send her a bit of encouragement. Let's send her someone who can help. So you'll start noticing all these synchronicities because you have started doing the work. You've stepped up. You've answered the call. <laughs> yes. Oh, goosebumps. That this is there's so much here in this episode, Ange. I can't believe how much you've shared. And it's really I mean, I'm excited and I'm <laughs> I haven't even thought about like really writing anything. So it's very, very um a beautiful process that you're explaining and you're breaking it down for us so that it feels very, very doable really appreciate that. And I wanted to ask you this seven step process ebook that you have. 
Is that yeah. something that's available for people to download or? Yes, it's on my website, which is called I Can Help You Write. It's changed slightly since the last time I've come to see you. So it's called um, it's I Can Help You Write.wordpress.com, but I suppose we'll put it in the show notes. Yes, um, yes the link will be there. Yeah. So if anyone's interested. As well as maybe a link to my Facebook community of ins- uh, inspirational writers, if, if you want. Um, I run um, a Facebook group uh, for aspiring writers or confirmed writers who, who want to be in a community of people who think a bit differently about writing because what I really want to debunk is the myth of the, you know, the suffering um, author, like the suffering artist. But there's no, right. I write every day with absolute joy. Yes. It's fun. Um, there's no need to labor. Um, and have a, and, and have a bottle of vodka. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I drink just water uh, with lemon and I, <laughs> and I sleep well and I don't have to smoke or do anything silly. <laughs> To be uh, to be an author, uh, you know, it's there's a different way. Mm-hmm. There is another way, and it's a myth anyway. So, thank mm. you so much, Ange. Is there anything else that you wanted to say before we say goodbye? I I think what I'd like to add is that it's a process that can be easy. It's a process that can flow if you allow yourself to relax enough into it and trust. It's the trust that's important. Mm, Beautiful. And I think that trust comes from a lot of the things that you have suggested, which is really connecting to yourself in that way of through meditation or walks outside or whatever it is that, you know, makes you feel that connection to a deeper part of yourself and being receptive yeah, because um, because I think creativity comes from the soul, from that need to nourish yourself. And I was completely soul-deprived for years. When I was a corporate lawyer for 15 years, I just couldn't stand it. And there was this nudge, this call to do something that would, yeah, nourish my soul or uh, feed my heart, whatever you call it. It was it was a very important. We We are all creative beings. We all need to be inspired and fill our cups with something different than the nine to five, the the humdrum, the obligations, the this, the that, the must do, the to do list, whatever. We need something different. I totally agree. And I think that, you know, through creative artistic expression, that we get to see what our soul wants to show us. We, you know, something is revealed and it's magical when we can allow that to happen. Mm, yeah and everybody's story is magical and they they, think i think the writing process can um can allow them to see that Mm. thank you so much Ange. it's been such an honor and a privilege to have you on the show again and sharing your wisdom on getting started with writing so i will put on uh, the show notes the link to your Facebook group for those of you who want that little support and being a tribe of other writers and really doing it from a place of joy and ease. And also, if you want to download the seven step process, the ebook that Ange has offered, which is so generous. Thank you so much, Ange. Okay, thank you very much. Have a good day. Thank you all for being here today. If you enjoyed the episode, please go to iTunes and give it a review and subscribe. And don't forget to join our private Facebook group, Brilliant Misfits. And for more information on living a creative life, 
aishakennedy.com.